1: My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet. While others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the FFS Dentistry podcast. You're now listening to Dr. Sunny Spera and Dr. Josh and Allison Bernstein on part 2 of small boutique FFS practice.
2: We don't flip out about downtime now. We're we're mm-hmm. relieved when we see some downtime so we can do these things that we need to do. Yeah,
3: the, the part where you said you were committed to it. I just remember the old uh, burn your boats analogy where they landed, right? To uh, yeah. I forget what yeah. the war was and they said burn our boats and there was no yeah. retreat, you know. And That's- that mindset That's- does change you're, you're, you're moving forward. And I I think you're being very uh, humble. I'm sure during that two weeks, you guys started to, you may not have written it down and I'm terrible at that myself, but conceptually I think you're starting to really put the pieces because you're working on your practice. And I think as a dentist, Josh, I mean, we're the motor that moves the boat. So sometimes we're so busy moving the boat, we forget, Oh my goodness, who's taking care of the boat and is the boat, Doing what it should be doing, so to speak. I guess that's a bad analogy. But anyway, um, you know, your practice so working in your practice, you get caught, caught and you don't really work on it, you know? So I think that two week time period, that's, that, I don't know who could, you know, conceptually try that, but I think that's one of the healthiest things that people can do is just take a step back and really evaluate it. So I think that's awesome. So let's, let's move forward. So you're going, you you come out of that, you, you've hired your staff, right? And this is now the year 2000, so it's 20 years ago. Um, You have a concept, and you put them in spots where they can be successful. Did you start, did your consultant, did you start to kind of maybe outline jobs and roles and responsibilities, or did you work through that? Talk about some of that, because that's
0: a huge aspect. We we got rid of the consultant, because that just wasn't working out. It was very
2: short-lived. It was a super
0: And I ended up talking to some friends of mine. (laughs) who were successful fee-for-service dentists.
3: Okay, so there's and your that
0: education. That was helpful. You know, mm-hmm. um, we developed this concept of having a smaller, lower overhead, mm-hmm. highly productive practice. Because the things that I was learning, cosmetic dentistry, full mouth reconstruction, and sedation, lent themselves to seeing fewer patients. Mm-hmm. Rather than seeing you know, eight patients and doing a pr- one procedure on each of them, Mm -hmm. see one patient and do eight procedures on that one patient. Mm -hmm. And I like that a whole lot better anyway, because I mean, I I can work at a fast pace, but I would prefer to work at a slower pace. Mm -hmm. So that, that whole concept was much more attractive to me, you know, go into the office and do one $30,000 case in the morning. And then you're home by one o'clock. I like that idea.
3: That's a nice idea.
2: (laughs) But it's great stuff. I think it's easier too, like when the dentist or whoever is in charge of the practice, like if they're super clear, we're not going back. Mm -hmm. And like this is what we want to do. You know, when when someone's wishy-washy on that, I think everybody's confused. So from the very beginning, from the time Josh came in and it's like, done, not doing that anymore. It's like, Okay, we're not doing that anymore. So really, then it's just a matter of figuring out what you're going to do. But I think, you know, being super clear, we're not going back to insurance, rather do this, then you just have to figure out a way to do it.
0: Now, I don't want anyone to go broke, because like I said, we had a little cushion in the bank at the time that we did this. So there are less risky ways to get out Mm -hmm. of insurance. One, for one, you know, we could have had that marketing plan in place and producing new patients.
2: But also, marketing was different then. Marketing now is amazing. Like, you can do so much marketing with not that much money. You know, back when we were doing that, like, you, you know, newspaper ads, a website was a dinosaur. So it was very expensive. And just like, how do you market a website? It was that. (laughs) It was just that obscure at the time. And then, so you're either printing stuff, mailing stuff. Marketing now is so much easier. It's so much more creative. So uh, I think I I, I think uh, the best advice, you know, Josh and I've said a million times before, like be careful about ripping the bandaid off so quickly. You know, yes, you want to get out of it, but do have some kind of marketing plan in place. You know, it's the most. Imp- it's. I think it's the most important thing you can do.
0: Yeah, and you've talked about you know on on the fee for service um, Facebook page. You know, people have talked about other ways, and I'll just briefly mention them. You know, you can your
2: staff on board.
0: Yeah, you can you know drop the least productive insurances first, and mm-hmm. and do that gradually over time, and then if you have a big one like Delta, you know you might want to hold off on on dropping that one until you're financially ready to do it mm-hmm. and there's some other ways to do it uh, like you, know, you can still accept assignment of benefits that's less risky because you're, you're not having to ask the patient to pay two thousand dollars for a crown you're you know you're having them pay their co-payment there's another way to do it too is if you're out of network and you with the patients that you already have you can still accept assignment. With the new patients, you, do, you implement a new plan. So you, know, you take good care of your other patients by, by having them have the same deal that they signed up for in the beginning. And then with the new patients, you can have them be fee-for-service. So there are ways to tiptoe into the process without doing it as risky as we did it. Because you know it was a, it was a big financial hit for us at the time. There's no question about it. But I think I
3: think the one thing, if I'm listening to this right now, and I'm a three to let's say a three to seven year out dentist of in in practice, and I'm saying to myself, okay, thirty thousand dollar case. I I think you you know if if you aspire to do that, I think that's phenomenal. I think the one thing I would want to go back to and the first step that you you know that you clarified too was the continuing education
0: component. Absolutely
3: right? So
0: provide the, the, the real deal.
3: Right. And you were going to the continued
0: education. You had an idea
3: though, right? That this is the practice that I want to do. So these are the continued like, it wasn't like, like chicken and the egg. It wasn't like, let me take these courses. Oh, then I'll do this. I think it was, I want to do this. Let me get the skills to do that. Does that
0: sound? Yeah. how, How was it for you? That's exactly right. I knew I wanted to get out of insurance. And so I went to take all these continuing education classes. I learned sedation. I learned cosmetic dentistry, learned full mouth reconstruction, and, you know, learned how to do posterior inlays and onlays. Mm -hmm. And posterior inlays and onlays was one of the most valuable skills and productive skills that you can do because, you know, their porcelain veneer cases are few and far between, especially if you're just starting to get into it. But, you know, tons of your patients need posterior inlays and onlays. Mm -hmm.
1: But
2: but I think that's important to talk about. And um, there's a lot of young dentists or, um, you know, like you said, three or four years into it. And I kind of feel like there's everybody's looking for like this magic secret to just like, I want to be fee for service. I don't want to do this anymore. What's the trick? Just tell me what you did. I want to do that. And. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard to like accept it because it takes time, you know, but there's this whole delayed gratification thing that I think is really hard for people to accept. Um, but, you know, Josh put a lot of time into the continuing education. Like he didn't just come back and say, well, we're still going to do the same old practice. We're going to jam patients in. We're going to see them bim, bim, bum, but we're not going to take any insurance. Same practice. We're not going to do anything differently but I want to, I don't want to, I'm just going to drop insurance. Like it couldn't be that way. You, you can't offer, you you can't be that same kind of practice where you're really hustling patients in You're you're quickly seeing them. It's, you know, it's hustle bustle. You're not doing any kind of customer service or any niche, you know, offering any niche services, skills, that sort of thing, but expect to be paid in a different way or, um, expect to attract a different group. I mean, why, why, why would someone suddenly you know, pay you out of pocket if you're just kind of doing the same old thing? Do you know what I mean?
1: The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team.
2: I do. So, it, it's I, hard. I think it's hard for dentists because it's like, oh, I'm tired of this. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it's I, like okay, I, you got to spend a couple couple years getting some more I, education. I have
0: to say one quick thing because a lot of dentists fall victim to the dental sales reps.
2: Oh, my God.
0: Who, or social media. Who offer the magic bullet. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is buy this toy mm-hmm. and it's going to be an ATM for you. And it isn't.
2: I feel yeah. really happy about that too because I think a lot of new dentists are feeling that. And don't get us wrong, because
0: technology is great. It's
2: amazing. I actually just had an iTero scan for myself today because I'm going to start Invisalign. But the technology is amazing. All of this new stuff they have—it's incredible. But it's not. It's not what you need. To, to, you know, go in this out of network direction, you do not need any of that equipment. It might surprise uh, people to know that in our office, we don't have a CBCT, we don't have an iTero skin, we don't have that stuff. We use the technology all the time, but we send it out. There's a place down the street that does that. But I think dentists get caught in thinking, I must have it. You know, that's gonna, that's gonna be the thing that's gonna, mm make my practice go crazy. And honestly, it's really not. It's yeah. it's just not going to do it. <laughs> so, the latest shiny thing, yeah. I hate to yeah. be the bearer of bad news. and Those reps are good. What Josh mentioned that one of the reps, and they actually said to us that, what was the equipment? Every
0: time that CBCC goes off, it's, it's going to be like an ATM. It's
2: like an ATM machine. We used to um, indulge him. This was just recently, like four years ago there was no way we were going to buy the equipment. We didn't need it. We, we have, we have the equipment in a different location. So we, we kind of like enjoyed listening to what his sales pitch was, but he actually said that it would be like an ATM machine. I thought, what a sad thing that Mm -hmm. this guy is going to go into someone's office and they're going to spend I don't know over how much over hundred thousand dollars for this piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. That's nice. It's great. It's amazing technology. It is not going to change your practice.
0: It's great. If uh, a person's doing a lot of implants, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to say that the equipment is unnecessary. If you have an implant practice or yeah. you're doing sleep or, you know, there are yeah. a lot of things that CBCT are great for, but if you're just getting started and money's tight, the last thing you need to do is increase your debt by buying a piece of equipment that you could, you know, you could outsource.
3: Well, I think one thing I think is fascinating and, uh, um, about this, and I think this is exactly the same thing you were talking about with the consultant, the same thing you're talking about with changing, or redesigning your practice. You start with the end in mind. Right. And, and, and you really, then the other pieces fall in place. So, you know, and then, to me, it's kind of the chicken or the egg, and you know, chicken, and, not the chicken or the egg, excuse me, ham and eggs. And I use this with my teams. I coach when you have ham and eggs, right? The, with the ham and eggs, the chickens involved, but the pig is committed. So, <laughs> right. So you had committed to what you were going to do. You said, this is the model. And then all the steps that led up to it built towards that end and the same the consultant in your situation in that particular moment didn't fit that either so right. i think probably the the take home message for you know the younger or you know our age my age too just what is your and i don't think enough people have that either self esteem or that picture as this is where i want to be or what i want to do then it really would help you drive your plan to get there like your continuing education Fits my ideal practice model and your ideal practice model and my ideal practice model—they're different. Both work,
0: and there's That's no right. one that works. There's That's no right. magic pill,
3: like you said, else
0: I'm hundred percent on what practice you want to have for yourself. So, hundred percent. You know, I, I've go, I've gone down many different roads experimenting with different treatments that I want to provide, and I've you know after all these years, I've settled on you know what I want to do, and it's cosmetic dentistry. It's uh, sedation, which leads to a lot of you know, large general dentistry cases and it's Invisalign, you know, I went down the implant path for a while and I'm kind of backing up a little bit. So um, just to review. So it's continuing education. Mm-hmm. It's have a nice facility. You can't have a crummy facility and be out of network. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to have Italian marble. Yeah.
2: Or, don't go like doing crazy remodels. That's the other just, thing. We hear a bunch of younger dentists are doing these, You know these palatial uh, dental offices, and it's that's really unnecessary. You don't
0: need a Steinway piano in your reception area. Mm -hmm. You don't need you know carved Italian wood front doors.
2: Yeah,
1: but what you do need is a clean,
0: uncluttered, professional facility. And
3: clean ceiling tiles.
0: Nice facility. You have to have a staff that's fully on board Mm -hmm. and is providing outstanding customer service. Mm-hmm. You have to have productive marketing and then to get to the next step, you have to have great communication with the patient, which is what we should really be talking about because that's where it's at. That's what gets you to the next level. There and we are.
2: I just want to say yes. one, one last thing about the sure. whole you know transitioning thing and having your end goal in mind. Um, you know, Josh and I talked to the dentist, you know, they they'll email or call for suggestions like, Oh, what do you say about this? Or what do you think about this? And one of the things that we notice, and I think it's something in dental school that you guys probably heard about, you know, you have to get quote butts in the chair. Like there has to be, you have to keep people in the chair. And I just want to say that, um, in our uh, time when we were transitioning, to, you know, way back in the day, one of the things we didn't have butts in the chair. You know, we uh, our patients left. We had to get comfortable. Um, <laughs> we had to get comfortable not having patients in the chair. So it's really, really important because we hear that a lot. It's like, well, I can't. You know, uh, they can't like lighten the schedule or spend more time with patients, because we have to keep people in the chair. And I think I personally think that's a huge mistake. Because I think spending more time more communication with the patients, and less focusing on that, having people in the chair all the time, it's a huge thing. We hear it all the time, like, well, it's a thing. Yeah. we have to have people in the chair. We have to have butts in there the chair. a
0: couple of examples I want to give you about that. One is there. We had this guy that we're helping out over the telephone and email, and he wanted to be a fee for service dentist. He wanted to provide you know this great service, but he needed to get butts in the chair. So he wanted to sign up for what Medi- medical, medical, or you know he wanted to sign up for the. I don't know. What, what do you call that? HMO? I don't know what it is. It's I think it PPO's,
3: was, the HMOs, yeah,
0: it was it preferred
3: was the preferred providers, all that
0: stuff. Yeah. And we're <laughs> trying to explain to them, you can't be two things at once. Yeah, You're either the outstanding service office or you're the cheap office.
2: Like, you're mm-hmm. still going to provide but, great care to your Medi-Cal patients or to your, uh, you know, you know, you're still going to provide care and be a kind and caring individual, and dentist and do the right thing. But so he it's had very decide, yeah. different. He wanted to be. He
0: wanted butts in the chair. He
2: he wanted yeah. lots of patients in the chair, but he wanted to provide outstanding customer service. Uh, it it was just like a there was a huge disconnect. Yeah. And it was really really hard to uh, get him. And I don't I don't think he ever got on board with that concept. Because having an empty chair, he just kept saying to me, I, I can't do that because I I can't imagine, you know, we won't have people in the chair that day. We just, we can't do it. It's really hard. I think for Dennis to let go of that.
0: No, there's a, there's a, you know no. that I want to give you that helps us to get into the communication. And that is, um, and she's probably listening to this podcast. So we really love her and she was an associate in our office for a while. And one day, the patients were coming up to the front. This, this one particular patient, uh, we had just done a new patient exam, and the patient was coming up to schedule for a big veneer case to the tune of you know, five figures. And after the patient left, she said to us, "How do you do that?" And you know, it wasn't like she didn't. She she was didn't. She was in disbelief that. After this happened, after we did this new patient exam, that someone would come up to the front and schedule for a five-figure treatment plan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But the thing is- So it is, goes
0: back to how Allison starts the whole process.
2: Well, but not just how I start the whole process. But so at the end of that appointment, the, the thing to think about is what just happened. So our consultations are 90 minutes.
0: It starts even before that, though, with but,
2: the consultation appointment is 90 minutes, so it's not a free consultation. But spending 90 minutes with someone, like you're the whole time, you're building trust with that person. So you know the idea that you could be chairside in a cleaning appointment and say to someone, "Hey, have you thought about improving your smile?" The idea that that's ever going to translate to a veneer case is kind of, kind of silly, really. You know, they're there to have their teeth cleaned. They don't have a relationship um, with you, or you know, like the dentist just comes in to do a, do a check or something like that. Hey, have you ever thought about improving your smile? Like it's, it's even a little bit off-putting when you think about it.
0: More than a little bit. The biggest complaint on Yelp about dentists is sales pressure for doing treatment that. Perceived to be unnecessary. Mm-hmm.
2: So, nice. if you think about it, um, oh, well, for our practice anyway, in terms of this whole communication component,
0: go back to like the initial yeah. contact. So yeah, I was going to take you there, but keep going. We're
3: good. Yeah.
2: So, so new patient calls the the first contact is you know they look at your website or something or your Yelp page or something they found you somehow and then they're calling your office. So. I know another thing that happens in offices. The only reason we know this is because we're. Dennis, we've made all the
0: mistakes. Dennis, we've made
2: all the mistakes. And also like Dennis, you know, there's a few I'm in Dennis there. Well, yeah, they'll email or they'll call us or they'll talk to us. You know, what am I, what, what do I do about this? But so like the, the new patient call is typically like a name and phone number and you get them on the schedule. So that's kind of how it goes in a lot of offices. So When I explain to people that I will often spend 20 minutes on the phone with someone, I also quote fees over the phone. Uh, I go into great detail about the fact that we're not in insurance, but let me explain how it works. All of that stuff takes a lot of time. So we're not putting patients on hold. That's the other thing. It's a long conversation for a new patient call. It's undivided attention. So. By the time someone schedules, number one, they're really familiar. They they get it. They understand like how this practice works. So when they come in for that appointment, first of all, they're prepared for how it works, and they also know the fees. Like if they're coming in for a particular thing, veneers, Invisalign, uh, even for a new patient, new patient consultation. Just how much is a crown? People will call and ask how much a crown is. It seems like. Most dentists feel like or most practices feel like you're not supposed to quote fees over the phone. My opinion is why in the world would you not quote fees over the phone? Why would you waste everyone's time? But it's how you quote the fees over the phone. You can't just say, "Oh, you know, veneers are nineteen seventy five per tooth We're talking a lot before we get to that point, you know where you know what's happening what's do, you know, do, have you been thinking about this? Do you know you need veneers? Do you want to send me some pictures first? Did you see our pictures? You're really, there's a million questions and you're just building a relationship with that person before you blurt out fees or just get them quickly on the schedule. So we spend a lot of time on that new patient call, which is key for preparing somebody to be a patient in your office.
0: In the, you know, the Part of that is that if, they, if we find out whether or not we want them to be on our schedule and whether they belong on their schedule, they'll make the decision sometimes. Sometimes we'll make the decision because we don't want people coming to the office who don't belong in our
2: office. And, and not because we don't want them there, but it's a waste of their time. It's a waste of their time. Like if someone calls our office and they're asking a lot of insurance questions, which we're answering, You know, I want to be 100% clear with them how it works with us with insurance and that we're out of network. So there's no point in me like, you know, dancing around that subject only to get someone in who says, well, I, I mean, you're out of network. So, I mean, how will this work for me? I don't want to waste anybody's time doing that. So I want to be super clear and also keep in mind, most of our patients do have insurance. We're just not participating in that. So, you know, they'll get reimbursement, they send in a claim, but it's like, that's not on us. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not accepting assignment of benefit. We're not doing any of that. So it's important to make it super clear to the patient. Yes, um, we'd love to have you, happy to have you. I just want to re- be really clear about how it works.
0: You know, And part of the outstanding customer service concept is if a person is very insurance dependent, Allison has a list of several of our friends who are dentists who do accept Delta Dental, full full on board with Delta. And we must be their marketing plan because we're sending tons of patients to these other offices. But you see-
3: I think, you know, people, right? They need to know what you stand for and what you kind of don't stand for, right? Yeah. And I think you're also expressing the fact that, they need to know how much you care before you can, you know, care how much you know. So, I think that's establishing that that whole um, that trust and those relationships that you're building right there are all started at the womb, let's call it in this case, right before they've stepped foot in the office. They have a real good understanding that they're going to get excellent customer service from start to finish. I want to ask you a question in terms of how it relates to your team. I'm I'm not familiar with the size of your team, the size of what have you. Now, in an office where you got that phone call and you have 20 minutes that you're spending, is there, is there other people that answer phones during that period of time? How do you handle the busyness of a normal day?
2: So That's a good question, and it's kind of a funny question because... <laughs> Josh will cringe if someone else answers the phone. So um, we have uh, our our staff is super we have a super small. It's the two of us. We have a dental s- assistant and we have a hygienist one day a week. So
0: gotcha.
2: it's a tiny tiny uh, crew. So we really don't want anyone else to answer the phone. So. Um, It's important that like your answering machine or service or whatever is set up so that they know you're in the office. You know, it's it's very clear. We're going to call you right back. Leave a message, that sort of thing. Or if someone else is answering the phone, I'm super clear about it. All I want is get their name. Super nice to them. I really want to talk to you. Allison's on the other phone. She's the person to talk to. Let me get your name and number and I'll have her call you back. That is the most that I want anybody else to say on the phone to someone.
0: You have Um, to put your best person on the phone. And Allison is our best person. So
2: that's, so that's what we tell, you know, anybody else who answers the phone, that's the information Mm -hmm. we get. Like, I don't want some boom, getting someone on the schedule. Um, The new patient call is one of the most important things. For um, bringing people into your practice, at least for our practice, it is because of all these things of not accepting insurance and being out of network. Uh, it's important that 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 phone call is uh, it's a it's a big uh, hand holding process, sure. for and it's the beginning of a relationship.
3: You're also taking that person out of no, well, minimum understanding of your practice to at least a working knowledge of your practice to so you're kind of coming from out of the dark and into the light, so to speak, that they have at least a um, a, uh, a language that you now can start to talk and start to get a vibe, you know, that's, that's going to be very clear.
2: Yeah. 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 And I mean, you know, I don't know, going out a network, I know everyone worries that they'll never have any patients and no one will ever come to them. But I, I, I guess what I want to say about that is every single day, patients schedule to come to our office. They have insurance. They've, you know, you name it, any kind of insurance. Those patients are coming to our office. I think because they're looking for something else. They're 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 looking for a different kind of experience. Um, first of all, they found us through our marketing. So. There has to be something out there, a way for people to find you. It's either word of mouth or they're finding you somehow online and something about that they value, they're looking for that. So if they've made the move to call you, um, there's something about your practice that they want. So not every single patient is going to be your patient. Some patients will absolutely 100%. They must stay in network, end of story. That's how it is. But- There are plenty of patients, there are more than enough patients to go around who have insurance who will go out of network to come come and see you, Mm -hmm. depending on what services you offer. And assuming the person they talk to on the phone is really helpful, you basically need to be like their new best friend, very understanding Mm -hmm. and warm, very patient. Because if you're super short with someone like, yes, Tuesday, four o'clock, how does that work? Why would they come to see you? It's no different than anyone else. They're looking for a reason, something different. It's like, they were really nice on the phone. I really like them. Let's. I'm enjoying this conversation. This feels good. I'm going to schedule this appointment. I have all the information. I'm, I'm going to schedule this.
3: Okay. Let's take this to the next step, Josh. And you alluded to it before, right? You said this, this, this initial discussion on the phone with Allison really sets the table for that first visit with you. So we how we- do you take the, how do you take the next step as far as the communication part? Cause you know that they're educated to a certain extent, right? They're not coming in like, Oh, um, you know, just take this tooth out. They're coming in with a little better working knowledge of your practice. Right. How do you take that? And how does your communication then happen with the patient? And then how does the communication happen back with your business area, which is your
0: front Okay. Area? So when the new patient comes in, yep. they have filled out some forms. And I used to not like to have forms filled out in advance because I wanted to interview them directly sure. in the question. But we discovered that it's better to have these forms filled out. We have some very specific forms to give us an idea of why the patients are coming and what they're, what's going on with them mm-hmm. in lots of different ways, whether it's money, whether it's uh, fear, you know, all kinds of different things, cosmetic issues. If they don't care about cosmetic issues, we, we find out in advance. Um, before the patient comes in, I have reviewed those forms. And I know a lot of dentists read those forms on the fly when the patient is in the chair, I, Do not look at the patient forms when I'm in the consultation room with them. They come in, I'm in the consultation room with them. We're at a desk. We're not in a scary treatment room Mm -hmm. because a lot of my patients are fear patients. So I'm sedation. Yeah. um, Yeah. So I'm talking with them with nothing in my hands. I'm not looking at a computer, but I have reviewed their forms and I'll, I'll ask them, you know, how's it going? Uh, I understand you're allergic to penicillin. Is that right? Yes. You know, whatever else they've said in their forums that I think is relevant to discuss. And uh, I understand you're here because um, your old veneers are starting to chip and crack and they're discolored. Um, So is is that why you're here? And you know, I know that's why they're here because I've just reviewed the forums. And so we started a discussion and we're in the consultation room for about five minutes to, to just break the ice. And sometimes it's longer than that, especially if they're a fear patient. We always have Kleenex in that room because I swear, I don't know what it is about me, but sometimes as soon as we sit down, <laughs> they start crying. Oh, and you're a big I, bully. I don't know well, what it well, is. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, I'm smelling my armpit. Just what, what, what did I do? So anyway, can't be quiet. so we've got the Kleenex there in what case they start it? crying. and. Then, you know, we get we get all these preliminary discussions out of the way and then you know I say are you okay if we go into the treatment room now? and We can do an exam We're not going to do any treatment today. I promise and I promise I'll be super nice And then we go into the treatment room and I do a pretty thorough exam and I have an oral exam form that we kind of click off on and uh, You know ranging from oral pathology screening to what their chief complaint is TMJ perio you know, ortho, all these different issues, dental stuff. Then, um, so I do my oral exam, we take x-rays, we take photos, and I do a full set of clinical photos. It's one of the most important things that I do. Every office takes x-rays, but not every office takes a full set of clinical photos, and it's so important. I want to say
2: about the clinical photos that it is – it is more um, effective, like in terms of a like a tool in your office than any piece of equipment that you have. Clinical photos are like the magical piece of equipment that you. It, it's better than any piece of equipment that you have in your office.
0: And by the way, I don't use an intraoral camera anymore. We got rid of our intraoral cameras because a 35 millimeter digital SLR is just so much better to me. But the amazing thing is the patients are like, you know, they're blown away that this is such a high-tech office. I'm like, I got a camera and a TV. What's so (laughs) high-tech about that? Mm
3: -hmm. But the photos, right, it puts them in the, I can see this. It's tangible.
0: Yeah. So I've got a 17 photo series that I take. Mm -hmm. And after we take the x-rays and I've had a chance to look at them, we put the photos immediately, like directly from my camera, plug it into the TV. I haven't even uploaded those to my computer or anything. They're, it's just immediate look. And we look at the photos together, and it's co-discovery. You've heard these expressions before, co-diagnosis, co-discovery. Yep, co-diagnosis,
3: co-treatment plan, yep.
0: yep. What it is is it helps to build trust, because yep. if, I someone, if I tell someone you need a crown on that tooth, they can't see it. They don't. They don't necessarily trust me. They just met me. But if they see it on a big freaking flat screen, they're just as likely to ask me about it as I am to show them. So that's what we do. We go through these photos together. But
2: it's not just it's it's not just uh, going through the photos. Like when when Josh sits down to look at those photos with a patient. You know, um, patients love that it's, it's not like a sales thing. Like, let's put these up here and see what kind of dentistry you need. Like they're there because, you know, they've got questions for him. It's very, uh, intimate really in a way, you know, um, they're, they're mostly asking him a lot of questions about the photos and he's really just answering the questions for them. So
0: we talked about zero sales. That's not really true. We we do sales. It's just we do a really good job of it. It's the anti-sales. To me, me sales Uh is helping somebody. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we give them information Mm -hmm. and we give them options. I will literally take out the backside of their oral exam form, put it on a clipboard, and as we've gone through these photos, they've seen what their problems are. And I'll say, well, let's talk about your options. And option number one, do nothing. That is always, always option number one.
3: Always, always option number one, people forget it. You can do nothing, you yeah. can walk out and do nothing.
0: Do nothing. And the, the most common response I get to that is, well, I can't do nothing you know, especially if they have a, a particular issue.
2: It takes the, but it pressure, takes the
0: pressure off. off. 100%. Like, oh, this guy's not going to try and sell me anything. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I go down the various lists of their treatment, whether it's, you know, extractions or, you know, veneers or whatever it is that they need. But at what point do you take x-rays? I take x-rays uh, after I've done my, you know, hands-on oral exam. Mm-hmm. Then we do a full mouth x-ray and then we do photos. Okay. It's in that order. So it's okay. a consultation, exam, full mouth x-rays, mm-hmm. photos, and then bring up the photos on the TV.
3: Would and you then- guys be willing to share your forms or is that on your website that's something we can put on the show notes the what you said the forms that you have yeah. for the patient?
2: I'll send you the yeah. forms for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so
3: that'd be great. So our listeners We'll have that on the show notes. Yeah. um I don't know how to do that, but I know Drew does, and I know people that help Drew know how to do that. Yeah. So yeah. we'll be put. We'll put, to. We'll put happy. that up to share with you. So um, I, you, I mean, I mean, what? what what you really are painting right here is a very complete picture, right? And for any dentist to understand, it shouldn't. It's it's not too complicated. Let me ask you a couple of questions though, as you're going through this. I'm gonna try to wrap it up in a little bit, but. You're working one-on-one with the patient. What is your dental assistant doing? Or if Allison's with you, what is your dental assistant's role at this point? Where is she in this picture? The dental assistant is... For he or she, excuse me.
0: And she's, um, she takes x-rays. Okay. She's sitting right next to the patient because my oral exam, you know, I'm I'm feeling mm-hmm. around and I don't want anyone thinking that I'm doing anything inappropriate. Yeah. So I'm, I'm palpating muscles and stuff, and uh, you know we got we're on the up and up. I'm not you know trying to do anything I'm not supposed to do, but I want someone right there so that everything looks on the up and well, up. Well,
2: the, the assistant is taking all the notes right. in that oral exam form while Josh is doing the exam. Exactly. So, but the, the main role of the assistant in that appointment really is just to X-rays x okay. uh, rays and filling out that oral exam form. And because they help
0: me with photos also?
2: You know, they're there to see Josh. Like, you know, no one wants to come, especially for any cosmetic or sedation stuff, they want to see the dentist, you know, they mm-hmm. don't want to have like some, you know, and patients will ask like, well, I went to some other, uh, consultation. It was mostly just chatting with the assistant or something like that. They, they don't want that. So if you circle back to the time when the the other dentist was in their office and it's like, how do you get people to schedule like that? I mean, there's no sales. I mean, my, what I'm saying all the time is that if people want it, they'll ask for it. If they want something, they'll ask you for it.
3: Well, if and- they understand they have a, You know a need or a desire to fulfill a need once they understand that you just provided the solution for them the the
0: forms will tell us if someone wants for years or if they don't i mean sometimes patients come in and you know heaven knows we could do a lot for them aesthetically but they're not interested
2: but they're giving you so much information from the phone call to the new patient forms to the chat you're having at the convert consultation and then when you review those photos so you're spending a lot of time. Ninety minutes is a lot of time to develop trust and um, for people to let let you know what they want. So it's really not us selling anything. It's it's providing this like space and an opportunity Understood. for people I'm, I'm 100%. To let, us, let us know what they want.
0: You know we don't do the sales pitch like so. Uh, so what do you think? You know, we don't do anything like that. At the end, after I've listed the options, yeah. I'll ask them, oh, "Would you like Allison to give you a treatment plan for any of these things?" You know, something like that, or you know, yeah. just- would you like or- to drive it home today? Right. So nothing no, who like that. No wants that. You know, no one wants that. <laughs> but
2: I think I think a lot of dentists are afraid if they don't uh, if they don't make that pitch on the spot, that they're not going to get that case or something or that. You know, the dentistry is going to go away. And honestly, we have patients that come in for consultations who will come back a year later to have the work done, you know?
0: Or some of them sign up on the spot. You know, it depends on their financial situation and a million other things.
3: So as you've gone through the treatment plan, so let's let's wrap up this appointment with your person. You've gone through the treatment plan. You, you have listed, right, Josh? You have listed their treatment options. Yeah. Now, yeah. if they're so inclined to say, listen, I like the, the, thir- the third thing you just talked about, okay? Now, do you then, do you hand off to your dental assistant? Do you hand off to Allison? At what point do you sort of...
0: Bear in mind, we have a very small it. office. This right. is a boutique cosmetic dental practice.
3: Understood. So how do you handle the next yeah. step?
0: Two treatment rooms. My treatment room is very close to Allison's desk.
2: Our whole office is 800 square feet.
0: So Allison is eavesdropping while I'm having this conversation <laughs> with the patients. And she is typing out a treatment plan as all is developing. So by the time we get to the point where they're ready to go up front to talk to Allison, that's who I hand off to. Allison is pretty well prepared with a treatment plan mm-hmm. and, you know, with the treatment fees and, you know, the treatment plan. The, the estimate piece says what our financial policy is again.
3: So, when you're reviewing it with the patient, you haven't really entered into the treatment plan in the computer, really, right? You haven't no. option one, two, three. This is just you're conceptually talking you no,
0: know, this is handwritten. On we, a, we you know, would, with me, it's handwritten on a piece of paper, then that would be a
3: disaster it. for me. Go ahead,
2: but we would never like do, uh, like be, um. You know, it's always like you know, face to face with the patient. It's not Mm -hmm. you know, we wouldn't be entering stuff like while the patient is there. But I have usually by the time they're finished, done this treatment plan, we go back into the consultation room. The patient and I, you know, if they're interested. uh, Sorry Sorry about the my dogs. Um,
3: You you warned me. We're good. That's okay.
2: But we go back into the consultation room and. That's where we talk about this treatment plan, that the cost of everything. So, um, and it's a sit down. We spend a lot of time in there just talking about it. Um, and yes, acknowledging that it's expensive. Dentistry is expensive. So, you know, we never deny that fact that it's expensive. We talk about payment options and, you know, scheduling and just uh, prioritizing things, that type of thing. Again, it's another conversation sure. with, uh, with the lady that you spent a bunch of time on the phone with. So it's come full circle and all back together.
0: Yeah, you know, there are a lot of things that come up over and over and over again. It's like you know, two thousand dollars for a veneer. You know, the last dentist I talked to said it was only twelve hundred dollars. Allison has you know great responses to these questions. Um, you know, why is you know, that's really expensive? You know, and we'll, we'll acknowledge that. It's like, I know dentistry is very expensive. We don't deny it. So there are lots of stock answers to these questions. We're well, kind of communicating with these people that, to, you know, to bring them into our sphere.
3: Well, once you've established that relationship, right, then that's a conversation and a dialogue that you have. You're not speaking at or to anyone. You're speaking with them. I think that's, you've changed the, you've changed the dynamics completely, almost reversed it, you know, so I think it's phenomenal. So
0: I. Really valuable relationship. Um, One quick example, we had this guy last week who, uh, he's a fear patient, big, strong guy, fear patient, and we did several extractions on him, a bunch of fillings. Well, the next step, that he's yeah. missing the budget, injured, in the front. was he needs partial denture, not an implant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
3: know.
0: Allison was explaining to this guy that you could get this done a lot cheaper at another dentist's office where they accept your insurance, blah, blah, blah.
2: Well, I was explaining it to the wife because she was, you know, wondering if I submitted, you know, oh, excuse me, <laughs> one second probably the mailman okay go ahead um okay so anyway the wife had questions about mm-hmm. insurance could we submit it blah 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 all this stuff so i mentioned to her that for this partial it absolutely would be less expensive if they you know, went to an in-network oh, to, to get the partial. Oh, and they gave the two names for people where they could check that out. And, and we were he happy need to, to, to be do sedated that. For that and he doesn't need to be sedated oh, because yeah, that I mean, part I mean, I is behind him. So we presented that to them, which we often do that with patients. He wanted I mean, to finish I mean, and do the partial yeah. in our office, even though it's 100% I mean, out of yeah. network, he's gonna pay for that all in one big chunk we have a relationship with this patient now we've sedated him he's comfortable we've spent a lot of time he likes Josh he's comfortable in the office he he's comfortable here he doesn't want to go to see some other dentist even though he doesn't have to be sedated for that it's just to do a partial he chose not he chose to do that in our office he
3: wants to go where everybody knows your name Right. Right. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a tremendous value in it. I mean, you're, you're building those relationships. And I think that's one of the biggest things that dentists do all over. So
0: communication um, is the key to relationships, right? Yeah. Relationships, and lack of
3: communication yeah. is the key to a disaster.
0: <laughs> and relationships are the key to um, success in treatment plan presentation.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'm going to follow my last question. This has nothing to do with dentistry. I've asked everybody since I've done this is if you could go back in time or to any time, what time would it be and why?
2: Oh, geez. Well, I think that I was an old house in a previous life. <laughs> I do. and I
3: haven't got that uh, one before.
2: <laughs> it's a true story. So how old is that house? It's about a hundred years ago. Okay. So, um. And it's anyway, a long story. But I think that I was an old house in another life. So I would like to go back to that and be. um I, I know the house too. I know where it is, and I and I do adore it. But someone lives in it now, so it would be creepy for me. To-
0: I think she likes the lightning rod. Yeah.
2: Anyway, so a hundred years. Uh, go back as an old house. That. Okay. That-
3: uh, i promise you no one has said that
0: <laughs> for me it's the 60s because i like the music all
3: right perfect well that's a, for you what about oh children? no 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 i, I asked the questions now
0: okay? <laughs>
3: <laughs> so uh listen i really appreciate you spending time with me and, and, and sharing so much with our our, our listeners and I think this has been a phenomenal podcast. Thank you very much.
0: We're um, right, going to be laughing about the uh, ham and eggs for the rest of the day. So.
2: <laughs> that's right. That's right.
3: Well, that's you know, funny. you want pigs. You don't want chickens. That's the bottom line. That's what I tell that's people. So very, that's
2: pretty funny. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for having us. Really thanks appreciate
3: lot, it. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure there's a lot to be learned. I could talk to you for days. Uh, thanks a million. Let's wrap right. it up.
0: Be safe out there. Bye. You too. Be well. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our Fee-for-Service Dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation online. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.